This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is Jill Cohen. If you've fallen in love with an interior design book over the past 20 years, chances are Jill had something to do with it. Jill's client list reads like a Hall of Fame induction roster. She shepherded everyone from Bunny Williams, Ellie Coleman, Stephen Sills, to Bobby McAlpine, Gil Schaefer, and Aaron Lauder through the process of creating a compelling book. Jill and I spoke about the surprising economics behind design book publishing, how the rise of celebrity culture changed the industry, and all the ways that Instagram can be a trap for designers. This podcast is sponsored by High Point Market. There's a lot of excitement in the home furnishings world as High Point Market exhibitors prepare to present a dazzling array of new products at Fall Market October 13th through the 21st. This year, in addition to checking out all those new launches, you'll want to check out the special registration process for the new extended nine-day market schedule. So when you go to highpointmarket.org register to request your passes, be sure to read the simple instructions on how to select your primary attendance period. That's highpointmarket.org slash register. I'll see you there. This podcast is also sponsored by PaintZen. Designers are all too familiar with the challenge of finding a great, reliable painter or wallpaper installer. Well, PaintZen is making it easy. With a national network of experienced and vetted professionals and a dedicated project manager for every job, PaintZen simplifies the process. Wherever you are, you can get a quick and easy online quote not just an estimate. Best of all, designers can join PaintZen's trade partner program to earn 10% back on booked projects. Visit PaintZen.com to find out just how easy painting can be. That's PaintZen.com. And now, on with the show. Jill, I'm so glad that you could join us today. I, I really appreciate you making Thank the you time. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to have you. We've we've wanted to have this conversation for a long time. So thrilled to have you here. We have a lot of ground to cover, so many questions that I want to ask you, but I want to jump right in and talk about book publishing in the time of COVID. Authors can't do book tours, small bookstores are closing. What are designers and architects who have a brand new, beautiful design book that they've spent years and untold sums of money working on? supposed to do right well now. very good question it's been really a heartbreak as many people know it takes almost two years to do a book because even when you deliver all of your photography and your manuscript to a publisher we then go into a period of time where there's several months of editing captioning color proofing most of the printing is done in asia so we often deliver books october or november of let's say 2019 for a book to release 2020. So there's a lot of waiting and planning time. And, you know, to see everything be canceled is, is kind of a heartache. But there have been many silver linings. um, And many. (laughs) Tell us. Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) So actually, a a few a few other things. Um, Most of the authors, you know, we had this spring, uh, Tara Shaw, Tony Barada, Waterworks, Stephanie Schaffrin. Um, these are people that, you know, especially Waterworks, that, you know, they're involved in the community and, you know, they're advertisers, they're sponsors. They, they, they support the industry and the industry is ready to support them back. You know, one of the things I love about doing interior design books and architecture books is that it is a community and we have this wonderful network where we all see each other at the design centers and at events and LCDQ and, and it is about helping each other. You know, the vendors are always helping to sponsor, uh, you know, show houses and, 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 and showroom events and luncheons and, you know, the authors, you know, spend money with all these people. So, um, you know, well, and, and, mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about that because you and I were talking earlier, sort of pre COVID, all of these events that you were just outlining w- were what drove 
the sales uh, of these books so much. Yes, so, we, so, so tell us what it, what it used to be like just, just prior to all so of this. So this, this is interesting because if you go way back, you know, I was in publishing for, I've been in publishing for a long time. And when I was at, I started Condé Nast Books in the 80s. And then I was at Time Warner for years. Back then, author touring was different. Author touring was, you know, getting somebody on the Today Show or local radio or TV when there were a lot of talk shows and they were having authors on. The speaking events weren't the driver. Um, you know, there were tons of magazines out. And the, in the old days, we would we would publish a design book and have 10 or 12 magazines running different pictures from everything. And there was just so much print press and newspaper reviews. And every newspaper in America had book review editors. And we'd, we'd get tons of print press. You know, that was then. And and what changed? Yeah. Well, I mean, the what, cons- so what, well, what caused that shift? Was it consumers stopped reading as much? Was it, I mean, Total what, shift what in the culture. Total shift in the culture. Okay. Having grown up in at Condé Nast for 15 years and then at Time Warner, those magazines back then were not reliant on celebrity culture at all. Uh, Arc Digest mm. and House Beautiful and House and Garden and, you know, Trad Home and Country Living and just filled with design, um, you know, homes and designers' homes. And, you know, once a year, AD would do like Stars at Home or something. You know, back in the day, I, I, when I was at Condé Nast, I remember like at Time Inc. when People Magazine came out and Us and Life and Style. And the next thing you know, you know, the shift of interest, it aligned with what changed on TV, reality TV and celeb right. culture took over. So the minute that became the attention of the consumer, it shifted things. And I remember years ago when I took over Time Warner Books, Bullfinch Press in 1997, no, 2001. At that time, the chairman of Time Warner called me back to say, you've got to take over this book imprint for us because everybody's so focused on TV now. And I had started a publishing company for QVC. He was like, you know, all these TV people, we need more TV people because, you know, the Food Network started and HGTV started. And all of a sudden, the books that were selling were people who were visible on TV. And all of a sudden, this still happens. But in the cookbook world, where you can still sell 5 million cookbooks, you can sell 5 million cookbooks if you have a Food Network show. If you're Ina or Rachel or Giada or, you know, here we are. They all have – we're all on a first-name basis well, so are there, all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, and we are. And, and I wonder, are there, are there homeworld people yes. that, that have that same level of – so, so yes. who, the, who are some of those people and, and how do their books do? So the parallel there is we're t- we, we have to talk about the, 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 the different categories because – there's mass and there's couture. So on the mass, you've got, you know, Chip and Joanna. Okay, everyone knows who they are. Right. Magnolia Home, the magazines, the product. You get books like that. They'll sell a ton of books and they, they're they kind of the, let's call them the Martha Stewart of the home market right now. Um, the guys on the yeah, property. Yeah, they've really brothers, become rock you know, stars. Yeah. Sure. So television is just hugely mass. And also, what's very interesting is that all the TV agents have called me to say, oh, my God, you represent all these big design stars. We're really looking for more home, um, you know, shows. And I have had several of my authors audition. What's interesting is HGTV and the shows, they don't want them. They want to show how to transform a $60,000 house. They want to show everything at maybe 150,000 max. So I don't have a client that's willing to give up <laughs> the business they're <laughs> to, in to right work now. To at that level. To lay, let me, yeah, exactly. So what's interesting <laughs> is that, you know, this... Madeline Stewart is not showing up for she's that She's not. Price. Neither Come are on. Suzanne or the Giannettis or <laughs> Ray Booth or McAlpin. Yes. I mean, these are all people <laughs> that, you right. know, are working at a level that everyone dreams about. They love the TV, but they're not willing to go on TV um, and compromise their current business. To that point, it seems as if very few designers have been able to sort of straddle that high-low television 
personality. And I think of somebody like a Tom Felicia, just for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who, yeah. right, who who prior to sort of his big TV breakthrough mm-hmm. was working on pretty pretty high end and and really sort of quite exquisite projects. Well, there there and, are, and there are always exceptions. I mean, Tom Felicia, Thomas yeah. O'Brien, Rachel Ashwell, they've all had incredibly successful mass market brands. You know, Thomas O'Brien right. and Rachel Ashwell have done really well at Target for years and Rachel's at, you know, Walmart now. I mean, that's great, but that's kind of a parallel to those people who have like Vera Wang, you know, a couture business, and then they do a line for Kohl's mm. and it's usually successful. You you know, you have to have some gigantic platform um, like Tom had with, you know, the show um, to sure. have everybody get to know who you are. And that that actually brings me to one of the most important things that I believe is the foundation of success in interior design or branding. And that is... For people to get to know who you are and distinguishing yourself and really, really understanding and putting out your brand identity. Because TV allows people, you know, Ina Garden doesn't have to explain who she is. They watch her, people watch her every day and they get to know her. They, they, they form an opinion um, about sure. her skill and her personality and her warmth and then they know her. Let, let, let's set this up a little bit for for listeners because th- this is this speaks to one of one of your expertise is is really helping clients from the branding and and, and positioning side of the business. So it, it sounds like so often when designers or architects come to you wanting to do a book, it it sounds like you feel there's a lot of work that needs to be done before they're even ready to sort of work on a book from a, from a branding perspective. Talk to me about that. I think the most important thing is for people to understand that books are really not successful or interesting when they're a portfolio of the 10 or 12 projects that were photographed for magazines. It's really just house tours. It's just a portfolio in hardcovers. And I learned years ago at, at Condé Nast when I packaged all the books that if we didn't have a very strong concept and a story to tell and a takeaway and something we were giving to the reader and we were just collecting pictures in two hardcovers, it, it didn't work. The The question that I, that I ask when somebody comes to me and they say, I want to do a book and I look at their website and they try to, I try to evaluate their brand. The first thing I ask myself is how do they differ from anybody else? Uh, what, what is the benefit of working with them? They haven't expressed this to me. If you can't express your brand identity and have people really understand who they're connecting to, they don't know what you're going to do for them. So they don't really want to buy your book and they don't want to hire you. And so many people come to me and say, I really want to do a book. And when I ask them the first five questions, I'm going to tell you that 80% of the people give me the exact same answer. So I yeah. the first five questions about their about their work. I say, and, tell and me how, how work you work, people? and they say, Oh, I have a very special process. And I say, Well, tell me what that is. <laughs> and they start telling me the process of when I meet a client, I I add, I ask them how they want to live in their home. You know, how do you want to use your spaces? How, you know, we have a very deep, very interesting questionnaire. We have, you know, I go through the process. Everyone has the same process. I, I don't want to say that. And, but, but, and then, you, and then you break, you break it to them that mm, that's most people's process that you work with. Th- then I right? say, well, what do you do? You sort of put it to them gently. What do you do that's different? And then, then when I right, really right. press them, they often tell me something they think is insignificant, and that becomes the most significant thing. You know, sometimes I'll have somebody ah, say, "Interesting." So, like, like what kind of a thing would okay, they say? Okay, two examples: two very talented architects who have very successful books that I've worked with didn't really have any idea about their brand identity. And when I talk to them about their process, they talk to me about the materials they use, the wood, the stone, the reclaimed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody does that. Okay. And then I say, <laughs> okay, so I want to hire you. I want to sit down. I'm dreaming about my house. What, how do you take me through this? And two of them answered me by saying, I'm drawing while we're talking. 
And in that first meeting, I often hand somebody a napkin with the house they dreamed of. And that's, and the deal is sealed. Okay. That's so they didn't even be talking about that. No, they didn't think that was, you know, they, they wanted, didn't think that was important. They wanted to talk about the questionnaire or the process. And right. I think that the very successful architects and designers are able to get through to clients when they have a true understanding of what they should share. And then the next part of it is we're in a visual business and 99% of the people that hire you are never going to see your work in person. They're only ever going to see your pictures. So the biggest mistake people make is doing these incredible houses and then, you know, hiring their friend who's only $500 a day to come shoot the pictures. So we, we, we really need to get into this discussion yeah. because I, I know that you feel strongly you, you cannot place a high enough value on good photography. Absolutely. It is, it's the investment that nobody should ever be, you know, this is not the place to save your money. And also, it's, it's not, where you don't compromise. It's not you don't just compromise the photographer, photographer, it's a photographer and a stylist. Because yes. without styling so or with poor styling, you can you can ruin a picture as well or date it. And and on top of that, you know, there's a matchmaking process. And the matchmaking process does not work unless you understand your brand identity. So yesterday I was talking to somebody who hired a photographer, such totally the wrong photographer. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. A fantastic photographer who's done a ton right. of books for me. And she okay. saw on my website or she saw something and was like, oh, I hired him. I know you love him. And her work is really not a match for him. I have so many. So why would that be? Okay. Why would they not be a match? So I have a lot of clients that do a certain type of work. So I'll give you an example of good matchmaking. Okay. Um, okay. You've got a romantic architect, Bobby McAlpin. Full of romance okay. and beauty and full of romance. Full of romance. He's a poet. <laughs> so marrying him to Simon Upton, who's, you know, English, World of Interiors, whatever, they the two of them right. together take it's one plus one makes ten there. But this goes back to something else. The level of photography that Bobby and the Gianettis and Suzanne Kassler and, you know, Coleman and Kravis, you know, working with Eric Piasecki and the, the level of photography that we do with our clients puts them in a league that the professional photos, styling, and just the clarity and expertise of those photos is on par with the level of their design. And what these clients do and why they're so successful is they never slip up. You're not going to see them on Instagram doing stupid stuff and going off brand. You're just not. They all they all <laughs> No, no. Yeah. And and let's and let's have that conversation because uh -huh. I know you feel strongly about that and you feel like some people who perhaps shall remain nameless have gone a little bit off brand perhaps in in COVID especially on on yeah. Instagram yeah. And, and elsewhere. Right? I think but I think but it's you've, Yeah, I think it's nice to show yourself. I mean, I think about, you know, I think, you know, Mark Sykes is a client. His book is coming out. He's done an amazing job building his, his platform. And he certainly puts himself in the pictures, but he's very real. He's true to his brand. He, you know what he loves. You know his classic style. You know his work. Um, you know, Brooke and Steve. Is he actually related to the Kennedy family? No. <laughs> not that I, not, I, I okay. don't think so. Okay. Uh, okay. I just wanted to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. From his speed, yeah. I couldn't tell. Uh, he's a great admirer of American classic brands. <laughs> that's that, that's yes. his thing. Yes. Um, yes. But you no, know I'm what teasing. his style is. And, he, and yeah. he drives that home. But you know what yeah. his style is. Then, then the audience sees this cohesive, here's what I'm getting. Here's what I'm getting. Right. And Gil Schaefer and McAlpin and Stephen Sills, you know, another designer who's a close friend of mine and I've done his books and he's got another book in the works. You know, Stephen stays on brand. That's that's who he is. You know, you know, if you're going to hire him, he is going to be professional. He's going to do work at this level. Yeah. And often and to that to that point. You you drive home the fact that that might mean that you're not 
actually seeing a lot of Gil Schaefer, for example, himself. That's right. He's not showing up doing wacky things on his Instagram feed or or Coleman and Kravis, for that matter. Exactly. They're not slipping on a banana peel on some cute little video, right? Exactly. Because they're very tight about their branding and their and their messaging. And it's not in, like in part, we don't as you try. Were pointing out, yeah. We, right. Like, here's a little funny story. You know, Ellie Coleman and her team are just the, the best, immaculate, brilliant, talented. They're 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 in a league of their own. But one day, one Absolutely. day, Ellie said to me a year ago, "I I want to show how fun the girls are and how cute the girls are." And of course, <laughs> all of her pictures get you know eight hundred to a thousand likes. So we put the girls on in their Halloween costumes, and right. we got like two hundred likes. And I said, Ellie, you know what? Everyone knows they're great, but what they care about is the quality of the work, right. you know? And so, right. so I think that it's not just your brand identity. I want to go way back to a question I've asked most of my clients. You know, most interior designers don't come from the corporate world. You know, they're artists and, and architects. Sure. They, come from, they come from an artful industry. I, you know, spent... 15 years at Condé Nast, Random House. I was running direct marketing and book packaging and publishing. It was a P&L business. You know, I had responsibility for all the budgets and all the staffing and had to go to these budget meetings to show that we were making money. So I come from a very disciplined corporate environment for 30 years. When I sit down with my clients and I say, so what's your vision for your business? What's your mission statement? It's like, what? Do I need that? Um, and I think that without the vision and mission to understand your long-term and short-term goals and have everybody in the firm understand who we are, where we're going, let's get excited about it. Without knowing that, you're kind of directionless. You're just randomly answering the calls and running to do the work. I find that some of the more successful clients you know, spend the time where we go back and say, okay, are we on path? I mean, one of the reasons that Giannetti's are so successful is that, you know, it's always planning the next few years. It's very strategic. It looks like these things just develop for these clients. Oh, look, they got product. They have another book. Oh, they're doing bigger work. They're so lucky. <laughs> right. As if it's all just happening yes. magically. It's very right. strategic. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about High Point Market's plans for the fall. High Point Market Authority has been very busy these past few months, working with building owners and exhibitors to develop plans and implement protocols for a safer fall market. The multi-million dollar collaborative effort includes extending market from five days to nine, increased cleaning and disinfecting, limiting capacity within each space, and monitoring staff health and rest assured that they're committed to doing everything they can to protect attendees. For full details on Market Authority efforts, please visit highpointmarket.org slash hpmktsafe. And now, back to the show. It sounds like so often when people first come to you thinking that they're wanting to do a book or they think they're ready to do a book or they they feel like all their competitors seem to have these beautiful books yeah. that are perhaps getting them right mm -hmm. as you were referring to sort of getting them those better clients yes. that they're somehow n not getting right and so they come to you and they say okay obviously i need this i need this book yes so tell me so so you go through this process with them you ask them these questions about who are you really and what is your brand but but also you talk about sort of preparing them for the amount of time it takes, the amount of money that it's going to take, all the photo shoots that are going to have to happen. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, so, so so tell me a little bit about that. The, the big question is not identifying your brand identity. It's it when you're doing a book, it's identifying what you want your business to be. Okay. Because everybody looks back, people come to me and they say, Oh, look, I have all these pictures, you know, they ran an AD and, you know, veranda, and they've really held up. And I'm like, okay. And they say, now the work I'm doing is so much bigger and better and great. I'm like, okay, well, why are we doing a book on the old stuff? Because if, if that's, if you're moving away from that, that's not selling your best. What, what do you have coming? What are you doing now that's spectacular? 
We need to do the, we, we need to put out there what you want to be doing. And if you don't have it yet, we're going to manipulate this book and show only the best of the best in what's coming. And let's wait and shoot one of these spectacular houses and carefully use the other stuff because you don't want to put out your past. This is a problem on websites right now. I'm working with a client who has a lot of houses to shoot and everything on the website's really old and dated. And I went through with them yesterday and said, you know what? Less is more. Let's pick the best of the best and just have a slideshow going of some beautiful pictures because a lot of parts of these houses are dated. You, You have to separate yourself because most of my clients will say, oh, but I get all this work and everybody loves that picture. I got a lot of houses from that picture 10 years ago. Now it looks 20 years old. You know, it's like you need somebody from the outside to tell you what doesn't look good. Um, Well, you sound like you're really good at that. You sound like you're really good at sort of telling architects and designers what they what they need. You know, here's what I say to people. You know, if I'm going to give you a real opinion, somebody comes to me and they go, my work is amazing. I'm going to get a book deal like, you know, Rizzoli and Vonda. Everybody's called me. I don't really need you. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, but what do you think of my work and what do you think of the deal? And I look and I go, okay, well, the work is fine, but you have 5,000 Instagram followers and you're not going to get a deal from anybody right now. That uh, That's another thing that has shifted. If you don't- Well, exactly. Yeah. And, le- and let's talk about mm-hmm. that. Let's talk about followers and how suddenly that's so important to potential publishing deals. Well, COVID magnified it tremendously because now- I'm trying to sell a book right now. I just actually did sell a book and the publishers were like, this person has got to increase their following and their platform. The author is their number one salesman of their book. So Mark Sykes has a book coming out in a few weeks. He's got, you know, almost 200,000 followers. He's been sharing with them. He's been prepping with them. They're creating a pre-order frenzy. His book already went back to press. It's not out yet. Your own audience is driving a lot of activity for your brand. What happens if you have 10,000 followers or 15? The publishers are saying to me, listen, Amazon is looking at the following because they know the authors can't go out and tour right now. They're saying, okay, how big is their direct audience? We better order a lot of books. So, so I think there are a lot of people that are like, my work is so great. I really don't want to do social media or my social media is just for my friends. That is a problem for, for, for the book business right now. They need, they need the authors. Um, They need the authors to be visible. Um, They need, somebody just contacted me who's wildly talented and who has amazing work and has no website or Instagram because she was advised to stay private or the wealthiest of wealthy won't hire her. And she said, I want to shoot Mm. everything and do a book. I'm like, I'm never going to get you a deal. No, no one knows who you are. Publishers. Because you don't have a following. Well, she doesn't even have a platform. You know, she's been quietly, you know, doing amazing work, but um, that is not, that is not a formula for success for, for book publishing. It's just not, Uh, you know, I, the interesting thing is in, when I started my career at Condé Nast, we used to sell the books directly to our readers. We had 15 million magazine subscribers. We could sell 100,000 copies of a gourmet book in our ads and our direct mail. So direct to consumer sure. is where I started. And then I started a publishing company for QVC in the 90s. Talk about direct to consumer. We could sell 100,000 books on air in a day. <laughs> but In a day. In a day, honestly. You yeah. know, you put MO yeah, on, no, it's I, like I boom. Remember. But Bam. here we are. Like, you know, the world, you know, as things change and then they stay the same. Here we are years later and everybody thinks Instagram is something new. This is direct to consumer. You're speaking directly to to your own audience. Let's let's talk about some of the real economics Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. book publishing. What what people's expectations, because one of the things that you've talked about and and you gave an, an excellent launch class on on business of home and people who are BOH insiders can actually go on and and watch the the course that you that you gave on on book publishing which was highly informative and one of the things that you talked about there was don't expect this book to be a new revenue stream <laughs> for you mm-hmm. not going to be right and and really of course it's going to be this major investment that might in fact have fairly limited 
sales, especially these days, as we're talking about, right? Because of all of the different challenges. So it's less about that and more about the tool that it becomes Correct. for your for your business. But but help me understand sort of what are some of the realistic and I know you you don't like to talk about oh, how much it actually costs. No, I'll but give I mean, you tell I'll, me as much as you can. I'll give you a breakdown. The good news is um probably every single client I have and every author has gotten several houses out of their book. So I can say that everyone got their money back and more, not from the book sales, but from new business. Right. I wouldn't have so do your every, book with Jill Cohen. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't have let's just say that one. let's just say that <laughs> most of my people, whether it's Gil or Castle or Gianna, right. they're and right. McAlpin, they're on book four for a reason. You know, it keeps the right. phone ringing and ringing. So they now look at it as a smart investment. In the beginning, people balk at the price because it's the cost of new photography. So everybody out there knows, anybody who's done a shoot, they know how it adds up. The photographer is the day rate. They have an assistant. They have tech. They have lighting. They have equipment. And if they don't live local, they've got the travel. And the travel is heavy. You know, it's flying. It's baggage. It's rented cars. It's, it's, it's a stylist. Sure. If you're not using yeah. local, you're bringing somebody in, and it piles up to thousands of day a day. So it could be four, five, six, seven thousand dollars for you know a day shoot. A day, sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, what do you get out of the day? Well, it depends. If you have a good stylist, they're moving things along. People think a stylist are expensive. It's like, oh, I don't want to spend another thousand or fifteen hundred dollars on stylist. If a stylist has the rooms prepped and they're moving it along, that photographer is getting you at least at least ten more shots a day. Because they're not saying, could somebody move the lamp an inch? Can somebody take that wire out? I mean, so so really, we put together a team and we prep before a shoot. We go on with scouting, with the stylist, with the photographer. We walk through the rooms. We know what we want to shoot. Also, most people... Well, sh- and yeah. this, this also speaks to what you were saying before about the difference between magazine photo shoots and book photo Totally. Shoots. A magazine photo shoot, we know we need the big heroes. They're going to run maybe 10 pictures max. They're not going to show right. any close-up of any materials or details you do. So you've got to go in there and have your photographer shoot, you know, the left side, the right side, the piece of art. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a skim. The purpose of a book is to give the reader a deep dive into the real work you do and go all the way down in there whether it's showing the edge of how the hardware or the edge of how the marble meets the wood meets the whatever, because especially in architecture, I'm always showing the architects that the detail and the materials and, and, and all of that, you know, intimacy that they're involved in never shows up in the big magazines. Uh, You just see the molding and you just see the exterior, but the details, um, that the books allow people to go in and look at all these details. If you look at Gill's books or John Murray's books or I Kligerman Barkley or, you know, historical concepts or any of these people, McAlpin, we like to take details and show this be- the, the, the beauty of, you know, of the architecture of their hand of the work they did. And that's what you can't get in a magazine. And that's why, the architects that come to me to do books know that they're going in and they're being interviewed by a client and the client is interviewing the four big firms and the three other guys are dropping their book on the table and leaving. And without it, the client gets to go home and read the book and see the work and only look at somebody else's website. And so it puts them at a disadvantage. And, and, sure. and this also comes back to the text and the messaging because the manuscript, we're getting back to pricing. So the manuscript is important because if you have a good writer that's interviewing you and asking the right questions and helping you express yourself, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, we got a job. Almost everybody who gets hired, the client will say to them, I read your book cover to cover. You know, once we started looking at your work, we wanted to know more about you. I read cover to cover. You're my guy. So you need a, a writer. Everybody needs a writer. Right. Even even the only exception to that, I have to say, Madeline Stewart wrote her own book and it was fantastic. 
you know, she's funny. She's witty. She's a great writer. Um, you know, she's got a she's got a unique voice. She's and, got a right, unique and, voice, and yes, and and she was able to bring that. But but most most designers, right. you would advise them, and, you know, and get a writer, and yeah, and Bobby McAlpin is an exception. He's so poetic, and there are a lot of you know, Giannetti's are right. good. A lot of people, but I think for the most part, especially interior design. You know, it really helps to have a writer help you dig down and say that message. So writers can cost $20,000. Photographers can be five or six a day. Um, you can get 20 pictures out of a day. You need two picture, two, You need 200 pictures for a book. So you're going to need at least 10 days of photography. And um, you're going to need a manuscript. So the bulk of your investment, that's what the publishers licensing from you they're licensing your content so you have to give the publisher the pictures and the manuscript people say doesn't the publisher pay for that no the publisher pays to print your book and when it's a big book it can cost them fifty thousand dollars to print it they put it in the bookstores they pay their sales reps they pay their editors they you know handle distribution so they're making an investment and you're making an investment actually the author has nothing to lose They've made the investment. They're going to get new work out of it. The publishers made an investment, and if the book doesn't sell, they've lost money. It doesn't build their brand. Right. So it is an investment, and actually the investment doesn't actually stop at the writing and the photos because you have to have money to tour, and you have to do PR. If you don't get out there and do that, it's not like the publisher can sell the book without you. As you know, and most designers know, there's nobody flying you to speak at ADAC in San Francisco and Nashville and, you know. <laughs> sure. And, no. no. Yeah. And a lot All of that. on your own dime. It's on your own dime. And now there are some places that will give a stipend or cover the cost of, you know, a sure. hotel or whatever. But for the most part, I think it's why product is important because for people like Castler or Ray or the carriers or anybody who, or Bunny Williams, um, if you have product, you can really amortize all that travel. Um, you know, cause I know Suzanne was one of my first authors that had so much product that, you know, she'd go do a Lee Jopa signing and a Hickory thing. And while she was there, she could speak and sign books and blend it all together. Once you're on the road, it's nice to sell a lot of other things. <laughs> We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about Paint Zen. Designers, there's no need to spend hours digging up a great painter or wallpaper installer. PaintZen has done it for you. With a national network of experienced, vetted professionals and a dedicated project manager for every job, PaintZen makes it easy. Even in these challenging times, PaintZen is open for service, ensuring that customers, painters, and partners are staying safe by following local guidelines. You can get a quote, not just an estimate, remotely. And book now, schedule later, for maximum flexibility. Best of all, designers earn 10% back on book projects. Visit paintzen.com to find out just how easy painting can be. That's paintzen.com. And now, back to the show. Assuming that, that, sadly, it seems COVID is going to be with us for quite some time to come. Right, yes. we're all sort of feeling yes. like we have to accept that on on some level. What does that mean for for the book publishing industry right now? It it seemed like their books were really sort of on the on the rise, and so many designers were saying to me, "Books are the new magazines, mm -hmm. and they're becoming you know such an important tool." And and to your earlier point. So many designers were feeling like celebrities were always on the cover and the Kardashian family is always on the cover of yes. AD, and, mm -hmm. right? And, yes. and so they were feeling that they were sort of getting marginalized mm -hmm. and that a book, right, a book was this powerful way to sort of fight back and put their work front and center. What happens today and what happens for the next, for the next year? Okay, well, it's still happening. It's just harder and slower. So I had 10 books in progress. Big name, you know, five of them are, are AD100 clients. Three of those books were supposed to deliver in October. The photo shoots have not been completed. Uh, either the homeowner won't let us in, the photographer might be in Europe, can't come over. We can't do finishing touches with final accessorizing or art because, you know, 
it's the final piece wasn't bought. And these are right. really big, okay. substantial books with clients that, you know, I have advised them to don't rush the book and drop two of the most important projects you've done to get the book out faster. Let's wait and get the best stuff in. And so it has put some things on, on delay. We have books coming out in the spring that authors that we've worked with for a very long time are, we're all ready to tour. And the question is happening, what is happening with the tours and how to shift gears? Everybody's working harder and longer hours and coming up with new ideas. Like I said, you know, Matthew Smite's book's coming out this fall. And we have worked with so oh. many. He's fantastic. And we've worked with so many people. Nicest guy. Nicest guy online. We have a lot of nice press for him. And we have a lot of, but he, you know, he had a robust tour. He was going to be, you know, San Francisco Antique Show, Orange County Decorative Arts, uh, you know, ADAC, you know, keynotes everywhere. Well, though we're still doing them, but we're doing them virtually. And so now we're working on, you know, PowerPoints and visual presentations and video and, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, creating the materials, you know, it's more work. It's more work for a smaller audience. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's the reality. It's, mm-hmm. it's more work for a smaller audience. Mm-hmm. And, 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 is, and is Instagram your most important partner right now in all of this, in your it's opinion? It's important, but I do, but people don't stop there. I always find out whenever a new client comes into any one of my author's I usually get a call from, you know, and, oh, we just got a new house. We got a new project. We got a new whatever. Very excited about this. And I always want to know how it came in. And it's usually a call that comes in from somebody who has an idea of the firm. How do they have an idea from the firm? They've they've seen a number of things. Gee, I've torn some sheets out of magazines. I have my little Pinterest board. I came across something on Instagram. Maybe someone else posted it. Maybe a blogger posted it. I started noticing that half the pictures I had saved were from your firm. Then the smart firms, the Castlers, the Coleman's, McAlpins, the, those people move into action right away. Here, let us overnight you a book. Let us, you know, that book gets into the hand of the prospect so fast. That's like the one, the one thing I really coach everybody when they do their books is like that first mailing Every prospect you ever had, you've got to mail that first copy off with a signed note of, you know, sorry we didn't get to work together, (laughs) but you might really want me now. Um, But we get the book in the hand so they can really read the story in depth and maybe overshadow the other people that might be competing that just have a website and Instagram. Um, I think there's a danger in Instagram and savvy consumers know it. When you look at an Instagram feed, it's not always that person's work. So here's where people go wrong. If you have, let's say, you know, my clients like Kassler or Coleman or Brian McCarthy or Stephen, they're posting their own work 90% of the time. And then if they're inspired by something magnificent, you know, they put it in there and it looks like part of their feed and they're saying, oh my God, this is, you know, Yves Saint Laurent's beautiful house. I was inspired when I went there. It feels right. If your work is more junior and 50% of the time you're posting, you know, Saladino's house, it's, (laughs) it's a mistake because you're actually, I see a lot of designers who post people they admire and it's not aligned enough with their work. It starts to have the consumer doubt what their work really looks like. And, and I think that's dangerous. There's, we, we see it all the time where people are posting and you're like, oh, their feed is really nice. And then you're like, wait a minute, they're, they're tagging other designers or they're not. And they're kind of emphasizing too much of somebody else's work. So, Well, and, de- and designers talk about this a lot. And, and some designers feel really uncomfortable yes, with that. Yes, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So some, some designers mm-hmm. really feel uncomfortable with other people posting their work. And I know that people are tagging you or saying, oh, I love this project. Mm-hmm. But many designers just really wish that they would stop. And please don't, yeah. don't or, post my Or work. properly credit or, or say why. Right. You know. Yes, exa- exactly. But to your point, though, if you are an up-and-coming designer – 
and you and you want to sort of show good work or you want to show work that speaks to you and perhaps is the kind of work you want to be doing mm-hmm. for clients mm-hmm. how how do you sort of thread that needle what what do you do i think i think there is a very clear way to do it which is that you admire people and you put it out there why so for example um you know let's say you're um you work with a lot of uh, like years ago I did Jay Jepper's book and the first book he did was collected cool. And I remember he used a lot of color and he told me that Jamie Drake was one of his idols and he asked Jamie to do his intro and Jamie graciously said, of course. So, you know, for Jay to post something about Jamie, you know, who was a mentor and he admired him. um, It's a way to align with somebody who you either you know, admire or you aspire to be without saying my work is better than his. Also brands, you know, in the design world, all the designers use beautiful fabrics and furnishing and whatever. And there are so many brands that have great Instagrams, you know, Schumacher, Stark, you know, all of these people that, um, that, that do beautiful things that um, are better to align with. Um, because then you're showing the brands that you're working with rather than, you know, uh, a designer who might be in a different league than you. Well, so to, so to that point, and I, and I know that we have to wrap up, mm-hmm. but I mean, to, to that point, for, for listeners out there who are thinking that they want to start to position themselves to, to be ready for a book. Yes. That they want to, they want to look at their brand right now. They want to look at everything that they're doing. What's the what's the advice that you give to those designers and architects who are trying to sort of ready themselves for the big step of putting a book out there into the world? What what steps should they be taking right now? Okay, I would say start crafting a very clear vision of the company you want of the of the of the business you want. In five years, what does that business look at? What types of houses are you doing? What work are you doing now that represents the type of work you want to be doing? Start putting more of that out there. Start putting, you know, if you can't afford to do a four day shoot, do a day and a half of the best vignettes and parts of the houses that can show the type of work you want and start defining that brand and solidifying it into that vision. Look at photographers and stylists that are doing the type of work like yours. You know, you can't look at somebody who's done kind of this, you know, deep and moody poetic stuff. If you have, you know, bright light, indoor, outdoor, California, you know, dreamy property, it's like that you, you should hire people who are the best in your area and in the environment that you work at because they know how to do that. Be very careful about your rights and usage. Understand, don't, don't ignore the small print on the agency because it's limiting you to how you can use the pictures. You've got to be really careful to understand and ask the agents in writing what you're getting, what you have to pay for again and again, if you can use it in your book. Very important. Right. And, and don't ignore and, those. And just things. briefly, mm-hmm. just briefly explain that because I know that's a that's a great big issue. Photo rights and often, permissions are very complicated. Right. Um, you know, for yes. twenty years, fifteen years, all the books I did at Condi and Time Inc. You know, we drew a lot from magazines, and rights and permissions are complex. Photographers retain their copyright. Even to this day, clients of mine that have done books and repurchase rights say, well, I own the I own that photo. I'm like, you don't own the copyright. We've discussed this a thousand times <laughs> um, unless you did a buyout. Um, but the point is the licensing and usage of photography is consistently changing. And most photographers and agents want to stick to the primary photographer owns it. You get certain usage Know when you're paying for a day, what usage do you have? Is it for a magazine? Is it for multiple magazines? Is it for your book and magazine and the book promotion? Is it limited to five pictures or 20? That's not clear. And people turn around and end up paying over and over. Or agents call and say it was used improperly. 
or somebody's picking up a picture on Instagram or their website and they don't have permission. Or the biggest one is lots of book publishers out there and they know who they are. <laughs> they write <laughs> they write to our authors every day and say, We'd love to include you in, you know, the best of California or the, you know, top women designers today. Send us your pictures and, you know, we'll put you in the book. The designers don't have the right to give third party pictures without paying. And they submit and they submit to magazines and, you know, the magazines when they take pictures. Um, they often have a contract that says you're giving us the right to use these in our books and all other media. So designers are often giving pictures that they don't have the rights to use. And so I spend an inordinate amount of time dealing with back rights issues where authors call and say, you know, oh, I gave these pictures to somebody for this other thing. And then it ended up in their book and the photographer's calling me now. And I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I think a big part of, of what my work is working with people for them to understand how to be careful, how to protect themselves how to have the right usage, how to pick the right partners to do the book or to put their message out. I'm working with somebody right now, not on a book, but just on their branding and messaging and setting them up with somebody who can do an organized website because they wanted a book and, and, and what they have right now is, is, is messy. So it's like cleaning it up, putting your act together, putting yourself out there and you know, going out for that job interview to get, you know, the big job, and um, to get that big job that you want, yes, and, and and to really start preparing yourself for that for that big job, yeah. And it, and it sounds like investing in photography, as we've talked about, is a very important component it's, of it's that. It's part of it, start, but start to get some. But really, you can you know, invest in a good photo shoot and not tell your story. Oh, very big important point I need to make here. I cannot believe how many people. <laughs> have sent me pictures and they hadn't even either been on the photo shoot or they let the photographer drive the shoot. Well, I had him in and he knew what he wanted to shoot and he did this. I'm like, well, where's your work? Well, he was focusing on the view or something else. I mean, honestly, it surprises me how um, intimidated many designers and architects are when a photo shoot is going on and they'll come over and whisper to me, I didn't do that wall. I don't like it. I'm like, well, tell the photographer. We're not shooting <laughs> tell that. Tell the photographer. And they're like, well, yeah. you know, but he, you know, he 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 found this picture. Um, I've been on shoots where the photographer is, you know, I'm going through the house with the designer and he says to me, this is the one thing I didn't buy and I had to fit it in. And I see the photographer walk into the room and they're pointing at that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't what we're focusing on. I mean, this is about taking control of your message and this is about being able to walk a photographer through a house and say, here's the story I'm telling, whether it's on my website or my book. I'm about details. This is where it started. I put in this cement floor because I wanted to give a feeling of, you know, of authenticity, of rusticity, of, of you know, whatever. I want this floor to be, you know, in this shot because I'm, I, I always say to people when a shot is being taken, what's your caption here? Do you have something to say about this picture? And the more, you know, important the story is, the more important the picture should be. So this isn't just finding a photographer. This is really having somebody tell your story. And you've got to tell the story to the photographer of the house, of your work, of who you are. So they capture those things. That's why some of these partnerships like, you know, Eric and Gil or, you know, Lisa and the Giannettis work so well because working together for a long time, they get to know the story. They know they're in their house. They know, oh, you know, Steve had to take a break, but I know he really cares about the plaster and how he does these things. So I'm going to shoot this. And they, 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 it, it's, it's not just the angle or the lighting. It's really how they express your story. So communication is key. And a big, a big part of book publishing is, is not just the message that you're putting in your book or on your website, or on your Instagram. But the communication you have between everybody who's helping you express your brand, your your manuscript writer, your photographer. You know, we when we do project management, the first thing we like to do is have a, you know, start work meeting. 
with everybody, stylist, photographer, everybody. I don't care if it's on Zoom. It's like, here's what we're going after. Here's the type of work this architect or designer wants. And this is what we want to showcase. And we're going in to, 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 you know, to show them in their best light. And this is where they want to go. So we're not going in and taking close-up pictures of flower arrangements. I know that's pretty. And we need it. But <laughs> that's not... <laughs> and we're not taking beautiful views out the window. Right. And, focusing on and we don't want to focus on what everyone else can do, too. You know, so if you're going to show the pillows on the corner of the sofa, that's nice little accent picture. But let's look at what they do that's so unique. And so we can have a caption under that saying, you know, only Bobby McAlpin can create, you know, a disappearing staircase into a wall. So let's take a picture of that. It's going to be like a still life. People will stop and read it. We got to make a point here. Right. And, and that storytelling is, is, is so important. It, it sounds like for all of the talk, as we, as we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, about all of the shifts and all of the changes in the, in the marketplace around book publishing, it sounds like books remain to this day such an important tool for architects and designers who want to build and, and, and grow their business. Absolutely. I mean, it's a validation it's, um, you know, a lasting testimony. You know, when I was at Condé Nast for many years, you know, it was being married between the books and the magazines. And I love the books because, you know, they don't get thrown away. Uh, and there's <laughs> yeah. just something about accumulating the library of work or being an architect or a designer and going into you know, the offices of other people and seeing your books lined up there with lots of post-its on it, you know that you're inspiring people in a very lasting way um, and that you've made an impact. And, you know, it, that's what makes them special. Yes, yes, to be sure. Jill, we could talk to you all day, but we <laughs> we have to let you go. We have We have so many more questions. We have so many more things that we want to learn, but I know we have to let you go. So thank you so much for making the time. Thank to you, speak Dennis. With us. I it's really been it. a pleasure speaking with you and I appreciate your interest and it's always it's always great to work with Business at Home. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest news, visit us online at businessofhome.com. An important announcement, the Future of Home Conference is back. Last year's event was a thrilling series of conversations about the issues that matter most in the interior design industry. This year, we're taking the event online. We'll still be live, but the conference will be broadcast directly to you. On September 14th and 15th, join us to hear important discussions with leading thinkers on how the design landscape is being transformed challenges and opportunities that have arisen in the midst of a complex time. Tickets are now available and the attendance is free of charge to BOH insiders. To learn more, visit futureofhome.com. Finally, if you have thoughts or a story of your own to share, please drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. This show was produced by Fred Nicholas and Marina Felix. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next week.